This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor, and I'm here at the True Church Conference this year, and what a joy it is to be here this year. It's like a family reunion. We say that every year that we come, and in the studio with me today is one of our speakers, um, Dr. Richard Caldwell. He preached here last year, and he's preaching again this year, and I asked him if he would meet with us today. He just walked out of the pulpit just a five minutes ago and I know how hard it is to shift gears and uh, do something different brother we so appreciate you being here with us today it's my joy John thank you for letting me do it amen Um, Dr. Caldwell is pastor teacher at Founders Baptist Church in Houston Texas and he holds an MD of I don't know if you know this brother you and I both are southwesterners I did not know that yeah Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm kidding. We both got anyone listening from Southwestern. I'm just kidding. Exactly. We got our both got our DMs from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and then Dr. Caldwell went on to do a, a DMN, a Doctor of Ministry from the Master Seminary, and he serves as the head of the Houston campus of the Expositors Seminary. Has his wife Jackie, and they have three boys and a girl. And they're the doting grandparents of how many grandchildren now? Nine outside the womb and two on the way. That so, is awesome. Yeah, Congratulations. Thanks. You and I are so similar. I had five children, four girls and a boy, and we have six grandchildren and one on the way. Can't so beat it, can you? It is just a fun <laughs> time, brother. For sure. Um, just a fun time in life. And so welcome. We're, we're thankful that you're here. And I want to just go ahead and go on the record, brother, to say I mentioned this to you before. But if we can work it out, I want you to come preach at Shelbyville Mills. I, I want our people to get to know you. And, well, thank uh, you. I, I love just that. love you, brother, and I, I love your preaching. And um, last night was very powerful to me. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, you preached from Third John. I don't know that I've ever heard a message from Third John. I, I think that may be the first message that I've ever heard mm-hmm. uh, a pastor preach from Third John. And it's everything that I believe about what a healthy New Testament local church is. Mm. And I'd like for us to talk to about that today if we could. Absolutely. Thank um, you. We're dealing with nine maxims of a healthy church is what Brother Jeff has entitled the conference uh, this week. And your assignment for last night was Bible-saturated churches. And your text was Third John. You read the entire chapter and then dealt with the first part of it. And you had um, three main points that I want us to work through. But you said this, brother, if we could start here. You said that Christians and churches are defined by truth. Mm -hmm. What what do you mean by that? That salvation brings us into the truth. So Book of Colossians describes our salvation in terms of a great transference from one domain into another, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son, Well, that's a kingdom of light and life, and it's the kingdom of truth. And so um, I just walked through a bunch of New Testament texts that demonstrate that this is how Christians are consistently regarded as a people of the truth, who believe the word of truth, who love the one who is the truth, Jesus, John 14, 6, etc. And so we just walked through this long list of texts that make clear that what identifies us as Christians is not 
our particular tradition. Uh, you and I both have a Southern Baptist background. That doesn't mean anything with respect to whether we're genuine Christians or not. Right. Uh, not our culture. Uh, some have been raised in the South, some in the North, some some other country. Uh, and we all have cultural distinctions, but that's not what most identifies us as God's people. Uh, not our political views, not our social views, but our relationship to the one who is the truth and the truth that he's revealed in God's holy word. So that's, if you ask, what is the difference between a genuine believer and just an empty professor? The difference is one has a genuine relationship to truth, and the other one is, as um, false teachers are described in First Timothy, they are deprived of the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, with depraved minds, deprived of the truth. That's what we were in our lost condition. Yes. I think one of the scriptures, there were so many, that introduction was powerful. Mm -hmm. And every scripture that you quoted just stated the case. But the one that jumps off the page at me that I remember was from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says, I hope to come to you shortly if I tarry. I'm writing these things that you might know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of and I believe your translation said the buttress, the, right. the pillar and the ground of the truth, the pillar and the support mm-hmm. of the truth. The church is ground zero for God's dissemination of truth. It's a great through, way to state it. Yeah. Through the nations. And so preeminently as churches and as Christians, we're to be about truth. Amen, John. I love the way you said that. And that's exactly right. And that's what's lost, I'm afraid, in a lot of modern evangelicalism. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on the on the individual walk of the yes. believer, yes. but the importance, the essential nature of the ground zero nature of the local church has been, uh, it's it's under. I won't say it's been lost. It'd be too strong to say it, but it's definitely uh, underestimated and underemphasized. Yeah, there's so. I mean, in your introduction, there were so many tributaries that could have been an entire message. I'm. I'm thankful you didn't bite on any of them and you just you 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 change yourself to the text we needed to hear that but when you were given all the disclaimers up front which you did hear some it's not your culture it's not your southern baptist background or whatever right. tradition you come from you said one thing and when you said it man just my mind just exploded there just seems to be an infatuation right now of evangelicalism with politics mm-hmm. And people look to politics as savior and their reality and truth. But I think we're all seeing, man, what a caving wall that is. Uh, you, you just, there, there's no solid ground there. And I'm afraid too many Christians are trying to hang their hat on politics or political parties as well. No doubt. Yeah. And that's one of the blessings of age is that you're, you've lived long enough to see how empty that hope is. I think back to the 80s, the arrival of Ronald Reagan. Yes the moral majority, Jerry Falwell, all of that. And who would have believed that from, let's just say, 1988 to 2024, we would have children being, quote unquote, transitioned uh, without the permission of their parents. Isn't it amazing? I mean, it Mm. it didn't take long, did it? So if, if political movements would have been an answer for the nation, we would have already experienced the answer. But here we are in perhaps the darkest moment in our nation's history, which thankfully demonstrates that the answer is is Christ and Christ alone. The gospel alone is the only hope for people. Transformation is from the inside out. And so uh, apart from God saving sinners, uh, we continue down the Romans 1 spiral into the abyss. Amen, brother. I say all the time it's part of the reason I'm so thankful to be a part of this Anchored in Truth Network. We don't really need to plant any more churches, Mm -hmm. but, man, we need true churches. 
our nation needs churches that are the pillar in the ground of the truth. I remember years ago, John, hearing John MacArthur uh, asking a Q&A about church planting, and he made that statement that he didn't think we needed more churches. And you could just feel the collective jaw drop in the room. But he went on to explain what we need are, are uh, he said, we have churches on every corner. Right. But what we need are, are healthy churches. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. Well, brother, just to get for a few minutes, by the way, uh, Dr. Caldwell has to drive to Huntsville, Alabama and catch a flight in just a little while. So I'm trying to be conscious of your time if people kind of sense the urgency here in my voice. But to get to your points, brother, uh, I think I've got these stated like you said them, um, is to be a Bible-saturated church from 3 John, you first of all said a local church must be saturated or full of love. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack that just a little bit for us and tell us what you mean? As we walk through Third John, we were just seeing, okay, what belongs? So, so you have five times in eight verses the word truth used by John. And so running through this subject of hospitality, which is on display in Third John, the truth runs through it all. Uh, it's a hospitality known because of the truth. So then you begin to note how John is dealing with Gaius and how he's dealing with the circumstances that Gaius is um, hopefully going to be an answer for in the life of that church where uh, Diotrephes is a problem in the, in the ninth verse. The first thing that stands out is the love that John expresses toward Gaius. And uh, in Second John, we, we noted how uh, as there he, he writes to the elect lady and her children, he says, everyone who is of the truth loves you, not just me, but mm. everyone who's of the truth loves you. And so we talked about the love that exists wherever you find the truth, because the same God who brings us into the truth at that very moment of conversion pours out his love in our hearts, Romans 5, 5. So there's no such thing as knowing the truth of God without knowing the love of God. Uh, or you could reverse that. There's no such thing as knowing the love of God apart from the truth of God. In fact, to try to love apart from truth is to distort love. Yes. Uh, to try to, to live out truth apart from love is to distort truth. Right. So the two are, are inextricable. They are always together. And so we just noted John's attitude toward Gaius as an example of the kind of love that exists where the truth is found. You quoted uh, in your sermon, and of course we're doing all this from memory, but you quoted at one point Romans chapter 5 where he talks about tribulation, works experience, experience hope. Hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Brother, this is every bit as much a miracle as conversion. It is. This is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us to, to create this love and to keep it going. Um, and, you know, I had heard of you and I had heard of Ken Ramey. We did his book, Expository Listening in Small Groups, and our guys will tell you to this day it's one of the best quarters of small groups we've ever had. It's a great book. It is. But I say this, brother, and this is just the truth, man. The first time I met you, I loved you. Yeah, um, vice versa, John. I understand exactly what you're describing. And it's because we, we're of the truth. Absolutely. So where the truth, we have that in common. We have love in common. Yeah. Brother Jeff, you know, we talk every day, and he's my best friend. He comes home from your place, and, man, he's just going on and <laughs> on and on about, brother, you just won't believe what I experienced there. Man, these guys love Christ. They love me. They love the truth. Everything we see about Brother Richard when he's with us, this is his church. This is the way it is. And I hope one day, brother, if the Lord allows you to come to Shelbyville Mills, you'll feel that same love. The Lord, that's what I said in my text message to you this morning. 
the reason it resonated with my heart so much, and it's not like, okay, we, okay now we've got to do number one, now we've got to do number two, now we've got to do number three. Brother like you, because I've exposited the word, the Holy Spirit's done this. Amen. He's done this work of love, and in me, it's the greatest gift God could ever give me to see our people love Christ and love each other. It's your greatest joy. It's a joy. Yeah. Which brings us to our second, second point. point. <laughs> and by the way, they do overlap, don't they? They do. And that is when your church is Bible-saturated, brother, it's full of joy. Mm -hmm. And by the way, not to mention these are first two fruits of the Holy Spirit right. in Galatians right. 5. That's a good point. And so unpack for us again, brother, what you mean. I know it's mentioned in the text. What are we talking about when we talk about joy in the local church? It's a unique kind of joy because it is a joy found where the truth exists. And, and so um, I just made the point last night that you, you'll know where your greatest concerns exist because that's where your greatest celebrations exist. Right, right. What people celebrate is what they're really concerned about. Yeah. You, know, you see parents who celebrate their child's athletic success. Nothing wrong with that. Sure. But if that's your primary joy related to your child, then I know what's most important to you yeah. about that child. Yeah. The same could be said of their education or the same could be said of their social um, connections. They get married one day or whatever the case may be. But for us as God's people, we have no greater joy, which is what John says uh, in verse 3 or verse 4 of, of Third John, I have no greater joy than this than when I hear of, of my children walking in the truth. Yeah. So we have this unique joy found in salvation that um, arises in our hearts as we watch what God does in the lives of his people through the word of God, yes. which is what you just described about in your, in your church. And you're exactly right. We're helpless um, to produce that. Just as, as we didn't do that in our own lives, we don't do that in the lives of others. God does that work. And so it's just ours to, to see it and to rejoice in it, which we do if we know the truth of God and the love of God. So where the truth exists and the love exists, this joy will exist, this unique Christian joy yeah. that is associated with God's truth. I just encourage everybody listening to go to Anchored in Truth's website and listen to Brother Richard's message, but you've got to listen to the second one. And brother, I'm not trying to do two messages in once, mm -hmm. but but it needs to be said because there is so much overlap here. What you just walked out of the pulpit and said goes with joy, and that is contentment. It's almost like they're seamless. Man, if you have this biblical love, this Holy Spirit wrought love, and it's producing joy in you, you're contented. You're contented with the good in your church and the not so good. You're contented with your lot in life and maybe where you're not supposed to be. I so, I so appreciate what you, uh, said uh, in that message to this last hour, brother, contentment is such a large part of it as well. Yeah, amen, John. And I, I love the, what you just said, and it's a, it's a good observation that you know, people who lack contentment are not joyful. No. Nope. Can't be. Mm -mm. And people who are joyful are contented Absolutely. people. There, there's no other way to have joy if, yeah. unless there's contentment. So the two, all of these things are seamless in their connection to each other. You can't eliminate any of them. I think the greatest challenge for me, and I would assume for most people listening today to that second message was, we, we tend to be more at risk of getting into sin when we have plenty and abundance than we do in the lean seasons and then the valley. In those valley seasons, we cry out to God and ask for mercy and pray for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, but sometimes in abundance, we might be tempted more to rely on self and intuition and abundance and that was a good correction brother thank you thank yeah. you for sharing courage yeah thank god your last point brother in your message from last night 
just so rung with me. If you've been a pastor for any length of time, boy, this would have been one of the dearest ones. I'm not sure I'm stating this exactly correct, but I think I got the gist of it right. Uh, Bible-saturated churches, they want to cooperate. Yes. There's biblical fellowship within the body, and, and, and then, like, even, even though me and you might not have worked on anything together particularly right. yet, I feel like we are locked arms, brother. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're doing in Houston is what I'm doing in Shelbyville, and it just it thrills my heart. Yeah, mine too, Jono. And, and that was John's point there in Third John, that, that here's Gaius who has demonstrated this love and joy in the way he's taking care of traveling missionaries. Yeah. And John makes the point, you didn't know them. They were strangers to you. Right. But they went out for the sake of the name. Yes. So these are doctrinally sound men who were, who were partners in the truth, and Gaius had demonstrated a God-taught view of, of ministry in his willingness to participate in that and support that and have fellowship in that. And that's going to be true wherever you find true churches. They are not isolationists. One of the things I wanted to do in that sermon was to, to mention three common misconceptions about truth-oriented churches. Mm -hmm. One is that they are cold places. And so we made the point, no, they're loving places. Right. Two, that they are emotionally stifled places. R right. Which sadly sometimes looks like us. I hate to say it, it but it does. does. You know? It does. Go to a ball game and cheer our lungs out, and in church we act like we sit on our hands. Uh, though our heart is full of joy. I don't doubt, I'm not talking about anything that we ought to do artificially. I got it. Yep. But it ought to be genuine. And so in the same way, I think a misconception is where you're all about the truth, you begin to pull into a, this isolated existence because you're suspicious yeah. of everyone else. Yeah. You know, I trust me and you, and sometimes I don't trust you. Right. <laughs> you know, is, right. Exactly. is the attitude. And love is not suspicious. I mean, you just go to 1 Corinthians 13, and you're reminded that's not God's love and operation. Love hopes for the best, believes the best. And where you recognize men who are like-hearted and, and embrace the same doctrinal truths found in the Word of God, there's nothing there but a willingness and a desire to to help them and work with them and be with them. So yeah, it's, it's not uh, an isolated existence where the truth is saturating the life of a local church. I can honestly say, brother, that there was genuine joy and thanks in my heart, celebration, when I hear the report of what's going on in your church. Mm -hmm. It just, it just, it gives me hope. It makes you feel like you're not alone. It makes yeah. you feel like, man, there are brothers that are trying imperfectly, but but striving, you know, to see their churches be biblical churches. I've been, you you just uh, celebrated 25 years. Mm -hmm. I'm coming up on my 25th anniversary. You That's and great. I are so much, yeah. our race is so similar. I don't know if you would agree with this, but this is my personal experience. 35 years of ministry, I've been doing this now. And one of the biggest traps that I see brothers fall into, especially in reform circles. It seems like it's just uh, uh, almost a epidemic level in reform circles is isolationism. Proverbs chapter 18 says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He mm -hmm. breaks out against all sound judgment. And I know you didn't have time to elaborate on that in your message, but... No, the clock popped up. <laughs> so, I, I know. So Don't you hate I know. And it starts counting down. Yes, it, does. it does. But, you know, brother, kind of the us four no more yeah. uh, mindset. I'm the only one doing it right. All I can tell you, brother, is that the, 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 the more that the Holy Spirit sheds love in my heart, the more joy I have, the more contentment I have, 
the more I long for brothers like you. Yeah, I don't want to be alone. I don't, I don't want to be us four no more. And so I do believe that our mission endeavors and our ministry endeavors, they have to be linked on truth. Yeah. That's your whole introduction. But, man, we should seek out brothers. And I think that's what Anchored Truth is trying to do. Yeah. We should seek out brothers that, that, that are anchored on the truth of the Word of God and then throw everything we have behind them. I agree. I, I've been blessed the last two days again. You know, it's my second time here for this, I think. I think it's twice. Um, but just to hear the missionary testimonies, to hear the testimonies of the, of the guys who've been planting churches, that's how it ought to be. And um, <clears throat> I'm as bothered as you are, John, when I see the, the, the us, us four and no more. I think, sadly, I think what motivates some of that is a lack of contentment. Yeah. To turn to the second message for a moment, because there's jealousy. Yes. And yes. competition. Yeah. And if if you're not content with what God assigns to you, you can't really rejoice in what God uses someone else to do. That's right. I mean, if if God's role, in let's just take you and I as a, an example. If God's role for me were to be an under rower, as He makes use of your voice. There should be no jealousy in my heart. I should be as pleased as I could be to be used in any way God would choose to use me. And I think because that's lacking, there's so much self yeah. and jealousy and competition that one of the ways you exalt your church is to nitpick and tear down everything you find wrong with everyone else around you. That's right. And if that same standard is then applied to, to you, you're not going to like that very mm -hmm. much because every church is imperfect yes read the seven letters to the seven churches in revelation and other than the ones that were the smallest and the suffering ones yeah. christ found something wrong in every one absolutely. of those churches absolutely and so th that's not a way to live your life that's not a way to do ministry and so i, I think these things are are interconnected contentment with what we talked about from third john but you're exactly right i long for more fellowship and participation not not less i completely agree brother that's my heart completely and you know so I just want to say, brother, that the opportunity to, that's one of the reasons I love coming here is to meet new guys and meeting you and Ken last year, you know, just broadens your horizons, broadens your scope, you know, new people. Right. And these brothers from Weston, Florida that Brother Jeff uh, introduced this morning, same thing there, you know, they're striving to, to, to be a true church in all the ways we've described here. I was sharing with a guy right in the break he was asking me about Anchored in Truth, and I said the wonder of it and the joy of it is whether you go to uh, Lusaka, whether you go to the Philippines, whether you go to South America, when you they're not perfect, but when you walk into one of our partner churches, it's love, it's joy, yeah, and it's biblical cooperation and partnership, and only Christ can do that, and we need more of that. Yeah, amen. And so... Brother, we love you, and we thank God for you giving a little bit of your time, especially with the schedule you have. And uh, well, I we love you, and thank God for you, and it's my joy to do it. Amen, brother. Thank you for having me. I hope we get to have more fellowship very, very soon, that the Lord would open up those doors for us to do that. And um, again, brother, thank you for your time. Thanks, John. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to The Faithful Expositor. On Brother Jono's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Jono Sims.